Life is beautiful. Ever since we had our first baby, we love hearing other people's birth stories because everyone is so unique and different. In this episode, we're sharing all the details from the birth of our firstborn son, Beckett, and not holding anything back. It was an experience we'll never forget. This is Life with Amy and Jordan. Today, we're going to tell you Beckett's birth story. (laughs) So if you're somebody who is squeamish or you don't like, I mean, we're not going to be graphic, but if you don't like a certain level of like graphic detail, like maybe like think of your favorite hell show, right? Like Grey's Anatomy, like I don't know, like something ER for those who watched that back in the day with with, uh, Clooney. He was the original McDreamy. Uh, If you don't like certain level of detail um, or if you are a young child and maybe you don't want that level of detail, we just want to give you a disclaimer that we are talking about childbirth in this episode. And so while we'll try not to be overly graphic, there's just, birth is just a little graphic. (laughs) Um, And I think the funny thing about preparing for our first birth was we knew nothing. And in a lot of ways, we still know nothing. It's really quite a mystery in so many ways. But we uh, decided to give birth at a birth center. And so uh, in preparation for that, uh, an out-of-hospital birth, we had a lot of birth classes before our actual birth where they try to prepare you as best you can for having like an out-of-hospital, unmedicated birth at a birth center. And so they they try to train you um, as much as possible. And so one of the things that... They- but it's kind of like training somebody for torture, you know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's, it's pretty hard to really fully prepare someone for <laughs> as, as we're sitting here preparing for, for the birth of our daughter, for our, for our second child, and we're looking back on our son Beckett's birth story, in so many ways, that first one was so sweet because ignorance can be so blissful. And as we've been gearing up for the second one, uh, Amy's made multiple vengeance to me of like, man, you know, I think last time I was really glad that I didn't know just how bad it was actually going to be because now I know and it's terrifying. That, that's true. And the uh, funny thing, well, sorry, I just got to jump in one more time because that's what I do, is one of the funniest things that people will say, and I think it's funny, but it's true, is they'll say, well, you know, the average ber- uh, average labor for a first-time mom is 20 hours, and the average labor for a second for your second baby is only ab- is about half that. So that'll be good is it'll be half as long as it was last time, but it's like imagine being tortured for like 20 <laughs> hours, and then somebody's like, hey, you know what, though? This one's going to be better. You're only going to be tortured for 10 hours this oh time. Oh my gosh. I think I will feel really guilty if this episode is, is responsible for people like deciding not to have babies. It really was worth it, but it really was it's awful. The, it is the greatest thing in the entire world. <laughs> so in our birth center classes, they really got into our head that labor is so rarely like you see it in the movies, which was an important thing for my brain to fully wrap my head around because in the movies or on TV shows, it's kind of like, oh, my water broke. And there's this moment of like, oh, it's go time. And then someone's rushing to the hospital. And, you know, you always see like the frantic dad barely makes it. And it's like, it's always like this dramatic emergency. And so I I really appreciated in our birth classes that they told us, hey, like, just so you know, it's not really like the movies. It's going to progress much slower. You don't need to be so worried about any of that. Um, and so when I think back to the day that labor started, there weren't really any signs. There wasn't really any, like I woke up thinking like, this is going to be the day that we meet our baby. No, that's the weirdest part about it. And one of the hardest parts about it is that you're going about your normal day and anywhere like within two weeks of your due date, right? Like it could be go time at any moment. And so sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, man, today is going totally normally. And then boom, <laughs> labor starts, but you never know when that's going to happen. And so before, before labor started for us, and I say for us, I really mean for Amy, but we, we really are a team. We're a team. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, so we, the way that labor started for us is it was a normal Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the funny part about it is that we were up against a really hard work deadline. Mm-hmm. And so we had set this goal for ourselves to have a fully redone, revamped website before our son Beckett was born. And so we had been working like day and night for weeks and months leading up to his birthday, which was, what's his birthday? February 16th? <laughs> yes, February yeah. 16th. So, I'm glad so you got on, that so one on, right. on Thursday, February 15th, our first born yeah, son. we were getting closer and closer to getting this project done. And just at four o'clock in the afternoon, we finished the the website project. It was like a multiple month project. We finished it. We decided to go for a walk. We were walking through our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I was walking. Amy was waddling. Hey. <laughs> 
I was doing a pretty good job considering the giant boulder in my belly. One of the funniest things that my, my dad said not too long ago is he kind of like pulled me aside and he, he, he goes, she's almost ready. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, she stops walking. Now she's waddling. So those last couple of weeks are tough. <laughs> they are. They really are. But yeah, I remember going around a walk, uh, a walk around our neighborhood and we ran into one of our neighbors who had recently had twins and he was uh, pushing both of his twins in the stroller. And we were kind of looking at him like, oh my gosh, there's our future. Of course, we were only having one. But he was, uh, you know, we like stopped for a minute and chatted and we were like, oh yeah, you know, could be any time now, but probably two more weeks. And we were walking away from that conversation being like, wow, can you imagine what it's going to be like? And we had no idea that in a few hours from then, we would start the labor process ourselves. So it was a really normal night for us. We um, were watching our whatever show we were binging at that time, The Good Wife. That's the Good Wife, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so we were just laying on the couch, totally still in the middle of an episode, just binge watching an episode. And all of a sudden I sat up like out of nowhere, I felt and heard a pop <laughs> and it was shocking to me, partly because in our birth center classes, they trained us to let us know that most of the time your water does not break first, like it does in the movies. And if it does, it's more of like a little trickle or it's just not so obvious as it is in the movies. But I kind of had a bit of a movie moment where all of a sudden I felt and heard this. I mean, she sat up and she went, she said, I just felt something pop. I heard something pop. (laughs) And so all of a sudden we're finding ourselves almost as frantic as the people in all those TV shows and movies that they're like, it doesn't really start this way. But for us, it kind of did. Amy shoots up from the couch and stands up and all of a sudden she goes, oh, yep, 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 oh, yep. (laughs) And she just started like, she started kind of like walking. It was almost like her feet, like not to be too like intent detailed here, but like her legs were almost like together. And she was like walking with her legs super tight together, like a little kid when they pee their pants. And she was like, oh, oh, yep, yep, yep. I think my water just broke. And as she walked to the bathroom, I kind I of like just, ran walk, kind of ran like walked, a penguin, ran waddled. It was like a yes, that's exactly what what it was. It's like when the penguin's running to dive into the water. Like if a penguin was wearing leggings, that's what it would be. That's like. exactly what it would be like. <laughs> the thing about penguins, as a total side note, that I love is that the they, they do eggs right because they're birds I'm they're not mammals i'm wondering and, where this is going yeah it's just it's amazing is that like the mom penguin from what i understand actually like lays the egg and then the dad penguin just keeps it warm for like two or three months while the mom goes and fights for the food and like brings the food back and i was thinking like for the guy penguin that's the best of every world right because <laughs> a you don't have to lay the egg which is probably kind of painful yeah and then b you don't have to like do all the other stuff you just gotta keep the egg warm that is pretty sweet. <laughs> Good deal. Really. But anyways, Amy goes into the bathroom and all of a sudden, like it sent me into a shock. And so I jumped up. I, I, I'm i like walking the same path that she went to the bathroom and looking down and seeing this trail, just like this trail of dripping. It looked like water, right? Yeah. It was a like clear mm-hmm. fluid. And I walk into the bathroom and Amy was sitting on the toilet and she was kind of like hunched over a little bit and she was shaking mm-hmm. and just like, sh- like really, really shaking involuntarily. I remember my whole body was just kind of shaking and looking back, it must've just been pure adrenaline because it was like so clear to me. Oh my goodness, my water just broke. And I was shaking too because I, oh my gosh, like what is happening? And, and as Amy mentioned before, the thing I was so grateful for, and Amy, I think probably you're grateful for this too in hindsight is our doula had told us mm-hmm. like, Hey, just remember, it's not like the movies. It's not, no an matter, emergency. not an emergency. Like going yeah. into labor is not an emergency. Mm-hmm. It's a natural, it's a natural part. part. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. And so she said, she said to us when labor starts, and of course we thought it was going to be gradual, mm-hmm. but when labor starts, it's not an emergency. Just text me to let me know that labor started. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where Amy was sitting on the toilet and shaking. And, and once we like got her <laughs> up and I was able to get her back on the couch, Mm-hmm. Then I was able to text our doula, but it calmed me down because I just kept going, it's not an emergency. It's not an emergency. This is not an emergency, but it felt like an emergency. So we found out from our doula, like, hey, since your water broke first, um, it could take up to 24 hours for your contractions. And just really fast for people who are listening, would you explain what a doula is? Yes. Well, I had the same question. I didn't know what a doula was. And I um, went to one of my trusted friends who had already had a baby um, when I was pregnant and was like, hey, what do, what do I need to know about having a baby? And one of the first 
first thing she recommended was a doula. And uh, she was in the wedding industry as well. And so she spoke to me in wedding industry terms, which really helped me understand. And she said, a doula is kind of like a day of wedding planner, which if you're in the wedding industry, it probably makes a lot of sense. It's basically the person that you go to almost kind of like an insurance policy, someone that makes sure that the show is going to run smoothly, that you have someone to go to with any questions or concerns or needs that has expertise in the area and just knows what to do in any given situation, regardless of what kind of problems arise. And so I loved the way that she described that because we've seen what a value a wedding planner can be on a wedding day. And so we're like, okay, we want one of those for our birth. Um, So that's what a doula is. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, do you love taking photos but wonder why yours don't look like the ones you see online? What if we told you there was a free online photography class that would help you fix that? We're Amy and Jordan, and along with hosting this show, we're professional photographers who help people take better pictures. We created a free online photography class where you'll learn three easy pro tricks that will help you start taking better photos this week. To reserve your free seat, just head to amyandjordan.com slash class to choose a date and time that works for your schedule. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash class. We're so excited to share three of our favorite pro secrets that will help you start taking better photos this week. We can't wait to see you in class. Now back to the episode. So our doula let us know like, hey, it could take up to 24 hours before the contractions begin. So like, just try to relax, like maybe have a glass of wine, take it, like try to sleep if you can. And I had... So- Those were the best three pieces of advice that she gave us because it was at night, right? Yes, like it was it like was late 10 45, I think, yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was pretty late at night because again, we didn't have any kids yet. So right. we would be up at 10 45 watching Netflix which now that we're parents, we would never be awake no, at 1045 no. at night. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm out early, right? And so it was a I, different the, time. The three pieces of advice you gave us were so good in hindsight. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, go ahead and maybe take a bath, mm-hmm. have a glass of wine, and try to get some rest. Mm-hmm. We only took one of those pieces of advice, which was the bath part. And in yeah. hindsight, I mean, I have a bottle of white wine chilled in the refrigerator right now for Amy for the second baby. <laughs> Cause I was like, girlfriend, when you go into labor, I'm getting you a glass of wine. <laughs> so neither one of us could sleep. We both had adrenaline like coursing through our veins. So even though my contractions hadn't started, I was trying to take her advice. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll like lay down in bed, turn on something and just try to like fall asleep to that because I knew I couldn't just fall asleep like I could on a normal night. Cause my mind was racing. Saying like, oh my gosh, I'm about to meet the, meet our baby, you know. So I meet my son. <laughs> if you're a Hamilton fan, you know what that's all about. We're big Hamilton fans. So I turned on Grey's Anatomy, which uh, looking back was probably a poor choice. That was because, a bad choice <laughs> because there was literally a character like going into some sort of like emergency labor situation. <laughs> so I don't know why I chose that, but I did. So that's what I was watching. Meanwhile, Jordan is whipping around her house like a tornado, um, cleaning everything in sight, like the vacuum is out. The broom is out. He's like the Tasmanian devil in our house. That's what I do under stress. (laughs) With cleaning supplies. (laughs) But we weren't even having the baby at home. We were going to have the baby and a birth center. And for some reason, I felt the need to like <laughs> clean our house. And I think it was, I think, does anyone else listen? <laughs> Are you with me on this? That sometimes when I feel like I can't, con- I can't control something I want to control, then I just control something, which is cleaning the house. <laughs> so I'm laying in bed watching Grey's Anatomy. Jordan is running around the house like a Tasmanian devil. I did draw you a bath. You did. Yes. And I started to feel what I kind of describe as like menstrual cramps, just like pretty mild. But um, as I was watching, by the time the episode was almost over, I was like, hmm, these are kind of like coming and going. And it took my brain a little while to register. Oh, I think these are the beginning of contractions. So we had this printed handout from our birth center that had three like cartoon faces on it <laughs> to reference like what stage of labor you were on. And I this s- is good though, because they, I feel like in the birth class, birth classes a little bit, you feel like they're treating you like a second grader, which is a good thing, which is a good thing because <laughs> your experience level with birth is like a second grader. Oh, yeah. And so it's, I keep going, but it was just funny because I remember thinking helpful. in our birth classes, like this seems pretty obvious guys, but guess what? When you are like, all of a sudden your adrenaline is rushing and it's coursing through your veins. You need the simplest possible instructions to follow. Yes. You need cartoon faces. So there were three cartoon faces and the first cartoon face was a smiling, happy face. And then there was kind of like a serious face. And then there was like a really angry face. Really angry. (laughs) And so 
Um, each one of those showed the different parts of labor. And so I was definitely like the happy cartoon at this point. Like I was so excited. In life, you're generally the happy cartoon. <laughs> I was really excited that labor had started. I was just like anticipating meeting our son and was like so happy it was finally happening. And so Jordan drew me a bath. I was talking and just we were just like having a great time at the beginning. And we were like, oh, maybe we should time these. We were really enjoying the process at the beginning. Um, um, I remember Jordan downloaded like a free contraction timing app that we found in the app store. And I was just verbally telling I felt like him, an old school track coach, you know, and they used to hold like the stopwatches and it'd be like, go. And I contraction was cl- starts now. And I would actually verbally tell him like, oh, yeah, I feel it coming, which looking back is probably one of the parts I laugh about the most, because as the labor progressed, I never needed to tell him when a contraction was starting and when it was stopping because no. he could hear it in the anguish. <laughs> in my- the nicest way to say it is he could hear it yes but at this point i was just telling him with my words yes it's starting and like yes it's over and then he would clock it and so we did that for a couple hours clocking the contractions and, and they were getting a little more intense as we went for those few hours um and after a few hours I felt like I was starting to move into the second cartoon phase (laughs) where I was still talking, but I was breathing a lot harder and was a lot more serious during a contraction. And Jordan was... You weren't grimacing and you weren't really making any noise, but you were not interested in having a conversation with me. So that was maybe the last real conversation, I guess, that we had. It it probably was for that whole time In the wee hours of Friday, February 16th. So probably around like 3 a.m.-ish, my contractions were probably about 40 five seconds uh, each and they're about three and a half minutes apart. So Jordan updated our doula and then our doula came over around probably... Bless her heart. Yes. Oh, we love her. Um, At 4 a.m. ish is probably when she came over and things were starting to pick up around then. So she really started to coach me through the contractions and gave me a lot of different positions uh, to try during contractions to help, help move the baby down. So whether I'd be like on... Kind of think like... uh, if you've ever taken like a yoga class, almost like a downward dog on your knees or um, on the bed, or I'd be walking around the hallway. She really wanted me to like walk through contractions as much as possible. So I definitely had memories of like wee hours of the morning, like five, six in the morning, um, almost doing like laps around our kitchen island. Yeah. And one just thing that I would mention for any guys who are listening right now is one of the biggest benefits of taking a birth class, specifically doing like a birth kind of like simulation is I learned what not to do during labor. And so I remember before labor started. Amy and I were in our birth class and we were doing like a a birth simulation where our doula had like all of the all of the women like blindfold. I hope I'm not giving too much away. Oh yeah, don't give away. That's okay, but we should tell this is important. (laughs) Anyways. Are they were blindfolded? All the women were blindfolded and they had to put their hands in icy, freezing cold water for like minutes. And if you put your hands in icy, freezing cold water for like one, two, three minutes, your hands really start to hurt and it's painful. And then they have the, she, our doula had the husband, she taught the class, had our, had the, the husbands come in and we kind of like knelt down beside our wives as they were experiencing this pain and our only, there was no instruction. It was just comfort her. And so at one point during that, I was maybe like rubbing Amy's back, like hugging her, giving her a little bit of coaching, like positive, like you can do this, <laughs> like just hang in there. He's almost here. And then at some point I made a joke during the birth (laughs) class. And when Amy and I, and Amy just kind of started shaking her head. (laughs) I remember she was like down on all fours with her hands in the ice water and she was blindfolded. And I made a joke and she just started thrashing her head, but it didn't make noise. And I was like, uh, you don't want me to make jokes. And then she nodded her head and I was like, okay, do not make jokes during real labor. So when Amy was doing all these like funny positions, uh, at like four in the morning in our house, there were no jokes about funny positions. Yeah, which if you know Jordan, it takes a lot of self-control. It's a lot of self-control. For Jordan not to make jokes. And it's like putting french fries in front of Beckett and asking him not to eat them. <laughs> it's very, very hard. So I'm so thankful that we had that conversation in advance. And normally, I love Jordan's jokes. Obviously, it's one of the reasons I fell in love with him. I think he's funny. I love his sense of humor. He makes me laugh Keep all talking. the time. <laughs> but 
it was it's like the one time in our life when I was like, please, please, please do not make a joke. So we had that conversation in advance because I realized when I was in a lot of pain, I just wasn't receiving any of his humor well. So he I have to say throughout the whole birth process, he never made one joke, which is really quite an amazing feat when you know Jordan. Yeah. So um, in those wee hours of the morning, I remember that we um, had to send our window treatments in to get uh, repaired because the they weren't closing all the way. So all of our blinds were not on our windows. And so you can imagine it's like <laughs> the middle of the, you know, middle of the night, early morning, Four or five dark, o'clock in the morning, it's really dark. dark outside and all our lights are on. And so I kind of felt like we were in this little like fishbowl, you know, where like anyone who wanted to could have just seen, of course, you know, who's awake at four or five in and the morning. And it was just surreal because it wasn't anything like TV or the movies. Like the, like our doula, our doula and I were literally having a cup of coffee uh, at our island while Amy was like doing laps around the house. <laughs> yes. So around uh, probably like six-ish in the morning, um, the contractions were continuing to get more intense. We called our midwife and um, a midwife is is like a doctor. So the midwife is the one who actually delivers the baby. And so the midwife is who we were seeing for all of our appointments leading up to the birth. And then our midwife is the one who actually helps deliver the baby. So that's the difference between our midwife and our doula. And that's kind of the nice thing about for us with having a doula and a midwife is that we felt like we had support almost every minute of the entire process. And so it's kind of like a relay, right? Where like the doula is going to be there from when labor kind of starts all the way through a couple hours after the baby is born. The midwife is like a closer in a baseball game. They come in like in the seventh, eighth and ninth innings when it's pretty imminent the baby is coming and they're the ones who actually deliver the baby. And so it was really nice for us because we felt like we had this kind of like like this like fence of protection around us the entire mm-hmm. time because we were so stressed and there's so much adrenaline that we, it was nice to have somebody at our side almost the entire process. Mm-hmm. And being in the in the wedding industry, we know what it's like when when a client, when a bride and a groom can just release their wedding day yes. and just be like, I've hired per, like professionals I trust who do this all the time, who know exactly what to do and I don't have to think about anything. What a what a different experience that is for them. And so we kind of were looking for the same type of team um, for our birth was, okay, like if we just have a doula and a midwife that we love, then once it starts, we don't have to stress or worry um, or even feel like we have to like advocate for ourselves or push anything because something that was important to us is we wanted to do an unmedicated labor. So we wanted to be able to be fully supported in that and not feel like we were like fighting or pushing our way or clawing our way through anything. And so to have a team who was fully on board for that and not only was on board, but it was like the norm for them and something they believed in. It just made for a really great team, just like on a wedding day when all the vendors work really well. Yeah, I think that analogy is so good because I really feel like now that we've gone through the experience once, we've had the experience of hiring a doula and a midwife for another baby. One of the most important questions I feel like you could ask your OB or whoever, you know, whether you're birthing at a hospital or at a birth center or at home, like we're doing with our second baby asking whoever the provider is, what is your philosophy on childbirth? Because I think we ask that question of almost every professional, right? Like with uh, the person that we use for our retirement investing, like what is your philosophy on investing? Like is your philosophy to be really, really aggressive, to be really conservative, to take a lot of risks, to not take chances at all? And I think we ask those questions of a lot of different people, but a lot of times we don't ask our OB or a midwife or our doula, what's your philosophy on childbirth? Because when they, when you ask that question and they share their philosophy on childbirth, you might go, boom, that's exactly my philosophy on childbirth. I love that direction. But if you ask that question of your current OB or your current midwife or your current doula or whoever, and they give an answer that's different from what you're expecting or hoping for, that might be an indication that it's time to change care providers. Mm -hmm. So for us with with Beckett, we saw uh, Amy's traditional OB first at about, I think, five five or seven weeks. Mm -hmm. And we did not feel like our philosophy on birth lined up with their philosophy. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally Mm -hmm. fine. Everybody is entitled to their own philosophy and their way of doing things. But that was a point for us that we decided to seek out other options because we're the kind of people who like to know, okay, 
okay, what are all my options? And I want to look at all my options and then I want to pick the one that's best for me or that's best for us. And so that's how we came to the decision to birth our first child at a birth center versus with our traditional OB at a hospital. And again, there are so many different options. There are all different types of hospitals. There are all different types of midwifery programs, Mm. all that kind of stuff. But just make sure that whoever is going to be providing the care you agree with their philosophy because something our doula said to us that was just so spot on early in the process when we were making this decision is she said, make sure you choose care providers who support you 100% and won't just tolerate what you're trying to do. And that was really key for us. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what a birth center was, honestly, before we um, were in this process ourselves. And I kind of thought birth centers were for like the hippie, like crunchy granola. I thought we had to buy Birkenstocks, you know? (laughs) Exactly. And I never really considered (laughs) myself... I was like, I can't can't shave my beard for two months if we're going to go to birth center. (laughs) I just never really considered myself like a granola, crunchy, hippie... Like you thought they were going to be playing Bob Marley. Exactly. (laughs) But it was... uh, so much different than what I expected. Um, and it was when we, um, oh, I guess I'm skipping around a little bit, but this was around the time in the morning after doing the laps in the island. It was around the time that we called the midwife. She listened to a few contractions on the phone and decided we should head down to the birth center, which is about 30 minutes away from our house. So the cool thing about the birth center is it in the um, front of the birth center is a couple like almost like office-like spaces with, you know, there's a secretary, a front desk, some office-like spaces where you can have your appointment. And then in the back is where they have the birthing rooms, which are really look like kind of like master bedrooms. Like there's a really cute, uh, like queen size bed, a big soaker tub, uh, a shower, kind of like an ensuite bathroom. And then they put things in it that make it feel kind of homey, like a dresser and a lamp and a few decorations on the wall. And so it just has a really nice, warm, comfortable environment. Yeah, And the philosophy, a lot of the philosophy behind that is just that labor is not an emergency that in most cases, there are emergencies, of course, but that in most cases, labor is a natural part of life. It's not a sickness. It's not an illness. It's not an injury. It's just a natural part of life and there's a natural progression to it. And so the the philosophy behind having the birthing rooms look like living rooms is that, or bedrooms, I'm sorry, like master bedrooms, is that the more comfortable mom is, the more relaxed she is um, or can be, the better and the faster and the healthier and more natural that birth is going to progress. So that's part of the reason why it looks like a master bedroom to kind of give you that feeling of being at home in a familiar, comfortable space. Mm -hmm. So I remember like as we were driving to the birth center, like looking forward to getting checked into the room and just kind of settling in there and being so relieved that we were heading to the birth center. Don't you think they should have flying cars just for parents who are in labor? Because I remember going on the freeway to drive and we were like in almost rush hour. We were in the HOV lane, mm-hmm. driving in traffic at 7.30 Friday in the morning. morning. Yeah. And I remember it was such a surreal experience because here we are in like the biggest moment of our life. <laughs> and we're like in stop and go traffic yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona on the freeway. And I remember distinctly at one point looking to my right as we were in stop and go traffic with Amy sitting in the passenger seat. And just beyond her through the window, there was just like, you know, a dude in like a white air conditioning van, (laughs) like smoking a cigarette, (laughs) just like it was a totally normal day for him. And I just remember, and maybe if you've had kids, you, you can kind of relate to this, that it's so weird because it's like the biggest moment of your life. And there's so much like stress and anxiety and all stress and anxiety and all that stuff. And then for everybody else, it's just like totally normal. Yeah, it's just like their normal Friday commute. They're probably listening to their like favorite morning show and you just maybe their favorite podcast. <laughs> maybe. Um, but for us, there was like so much adrenaline and excitement. I remember Jordan calling his sister Kaylin and being um, who works with us and being like, hey, like don't come in today. Like we're headed to the birth center. We're going to meet the baby really soon. Like it should be a few more hours. Like we were so, so naive. <laughs> we were very naive and yeah it's like sweetly optimistic I think we were just like so excited we were like yes like we survived labor and we had no idea like how much was still in front of us yeah it would have been like if we had like put our feet in a cold pool (laughs) and been like we're almost all the way in (laughs) and I think we were just so tired because we didn't get to sleep at all on Thursday night and so we had already been up for you know I don't even know how many hours it was but throughout the entire night there's a reason that sleep deprivation is a form of torture amen and you can't you shouldn't be driving 
Let's be real. So we were exhausted, but we were excited. We get to the birth center. And one of the other things I really appreciate about the birth center is that they um, are really focused on helping the the mom stay motivated and encouraged and progressing, um, even when things are hard and discouraging. So we get to the birth center, they welcome us in, and my midwife does a check and really sweetly says... Hey, like you're progressing. You're definitely having a baby today, but it's going to be a while. So we're actually going to send you home. What? Oh my gosh. My heart like sunk into my chest. I was like, wait a minute. I've had like eight hours of contractions and they're sent. And I remember saying, Oh, but we live 30 minutes away. Are you sure? And, (laughs) and she just sweetly was like, Yes, you know, I'm sure you're going to be more comfortable at home. And the reason for them sending us home was, um, I didn't know this until after, which I really appreciate, but I, I was only at a, I think a one or a two centimeters dilated at that point. After- for the dudes out there who've never had a kid, uh, the, the key is once you get to 10, 10 centimeters dilation, that is when transition begins, if I'm correct. Is that right? When, no, no. T- eight. Eight, eight. Eight is eight. like transition. And, and once you 10, get to 10, then it's go time. 10 is time to push. Time to push. So I was really far away from pushing. <laughs> um, like but, 90% of the way. Yes. However, I'm so thankful that they didn't tell me that then because I probably would have been like, I give up right then because um, it, that, it was really discouraging news. So now I was going home, but I didn't know how little dilation progress yeah. I had And a lot made. of the birthing books that we read in advance and in our classes, they talked about this idea that like, just because that if you tell a birthing mom, hey, you're at a two, and then a couple hours later, you're like, hey, you're only at a three, that can be really, really discouraging for the mom. And that discouragement can cause labor to stall even more. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that with our midwife, I think in a lot of midwifery programs, the midwives don't actually tell mom how far she is along because our midwife had said in advance, like, hey, you might get to four centimeters and she might stall for mm-hmm. two hours or three hours or four hours. And then go from a four to a 10 in two hours. Mm -hmm. And so there's really no point in us telling us hour by hour or every couple hours how far she's going because we don't want her to get discouraged. Baby's going to come when baby comes and Mm -hmm. we will let you know if if there's not enough progress being made and there needs to be some kind of intervention. But they try to be as minimal as do as minimal intervention as possible because sometimes the interventions that they do that they do can actually slow down that labor process. And so um, it's like the opposite effect of what they're trying to accomplish. And I think part of that is because naturally, if uh, I would start to do the math, right? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, if I'm only at a two and it took me eight hours to get to a two and then I have to get to 10, you know, I start doing the math and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be 40 hours. And then I'm like, I can't do this. So I feel really thankful that I didn't know that in advance because it, it, uh, it doesn't work quite like that, right? Like it's not, there's no textbook like, oh, if it took this long to get to this centimeter, then it's going to take this long to get to this right. centimeter. Every woman has a different progression level where you can sometimes quickly jump centimeters or sometimes it goes really slow for a few and then really fast. Yeah. So, so they sent us home. They sent us home, which that was probably one of the most defeating parts. I remember curling It was also up. kind of defeating on the drive home because on the drive there, the freeway was packed. We had AC <laughs> like truck guy smoking a cigarette and it was like after 9 a.m. on the way home. And so the freeway was kind of empty. <laughs> so it was like this sad, like, okay, here we go. It went from like exciting to like, oh my gosh, what do we have in front of us? And I was just in the back seat, like curled up, just like, oh no, like what is ahead of us? And because we'd been up all night, I think just all of those feelings were intensified. So um, the next... Oh, gosh, I don't even know how many hours it was. We probably got home around nine, eight or eight, nine in the morning. And then we were there until about 2 p.m. at our house, just in our master bedroom, um, just suffering through really painful contractions every three minutes or so. What does a contraction feel like? Oh, I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. I don't even know if I can describe it. I think it just feels like you can feel it start to come. Like in a lot of the books, they describe it yeah. like a wave is coming. Like you can feel it start to come. Um, and then it's just like this intense, awful. <laughs> I wish I could put it's words like someone to squeezing it. your insides, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. Like and then it kind of falls off. Right? And then it so falls it's, off. It's not so. like this, like there's pain. Now there's not. It's yeah. kind of a, like a, like a crescendo, right? Like yeah. Kind of like, like a little bit, a little bit, a lot of bit, a lot of bit, ah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit, and yeah. gone, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you had to listen to all of them. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I could see them coming on because those five hours that we were at home in bed, we would be laying it. Most of the time we were laying in bed together and 
I guess the right expression is like spooning. I don't know. Like I was behind <laughs> you and I was, I was, I had you wrapped up in my arms and that's yeah. how we were almost the entire labor process is I was either, you know, in front of you or behind you, but I was, I would have my arms around you holding you tight because that gave you a lot of security. Mm-hmm. And that really could, made me feel so supported. And like, I wasn't doing it alone. Like I had a, like a true partner in it. And it was a really cool bonding experience mm-hmm. for, uh, I mean, like, obviously we were already very bonded. We've been married for a long time. And, um, but there, this was just like a different experience that we had never had before. And looking back, I really feel like it was such a growing, strengthening process for totally. us in so many ways to have, <laughs> to be able to like fully rely on you being there to support me through so much pain really was so significant. And, and you knew like I knew those contractions were coming because either physically your breathing would start to pick up and you would like tighten yourself because it was like, <gasps> you know, yeah. you have that pain or Sometimes you even say you would kind of under your breath would say like, no, 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 no. And it was almost like, I mean, one of our friends has described it as like, we described it to our friends as mm-hmm. like, you almost like see this train coming in the distance and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And it's like, no, 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 no. And then you feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we were at home until about two o'clock and mm-hmm. then we called our midwife again and mm-hmm. she listened over the phone to Amy's contractions mm-hmm. and at that point decided, okay, it is time for you guys to mm-hmm. come back. So we loaded up in the car and this time our doula had been with us at our house the whole time and so this time instead of our doula driving separately from us our doula said i'm gonna go ahead and jump in the car with you guys because we amy was in so much pain that she felt like she needed to be there to support amy in the car while i was Which, driving she was so smart you could tell she had just like the sixth sense about labor um, oh, yeah. because she's done so many of them so i'm so thankful that she came in the car and she was like i'm just gonna grab a big plastic bowl right but and i didn't even think like, we like why okay. was she doing that and in the back seat i was on all fours at this point, like enduring contractions again on the freeway and um, was just in so much pain that I started vomiting. And so it was like my, our doula just like predicted that this was going to happen. So Jordan was driving, our doula was in the front seat holding a big plastic bowl for me. And I was literally vomiting into the bowl and she was just like holding the sloshing vomit. All I could think was don't stop quickly. Don't turn fast. (laughs) And I was like, I hope she brought a big enough bowl. Yeah, Jordan was a very careful driver. Um, So yeah, at this point, I'm just a total mess. I'm vomiting. I'm in a ton of pain. Um, We're heading back to the birth center. And so it was really encouraging when we got there. And our midwife was basically like, hey, you're not leaving this time until you have your baby. And so it was just like the encouragement and like a boost that I needed after so many hours of contractions. to know, okay, like we made it. It felt like we had some like hit some milestone, yeah, like totally. we were going to be able to get out of it. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, if you're anything like us, before you buy something online, you research to no end, which is why we're so grateful when people we know and trust recommend something they already use and love. That's why we created a list of all our favorite things just for you. Everything on this list is something we use and love in our everyday life, from baby products and cleaning products to our favorite books, our kids' favorite toys, and so much more. All our recommendations are in one place, and they're just one click away. To see the complete list and start shopping now, head to amyandjordan.com slash favorites. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash favorites. When you make a purchase using one of our links, it doesn't cost you extra. Sometimes it even saves you money and it's an easy way to help support the show. Now back to the episode. So... Um, we got checked into that master bedroom we were describing. And as for this is super nerdy, but as photographers, so there were like three different master bedroom <laughs> options. And we had asked at our, one of our initial appointments, did we get to pick our room? And they said, well, kind of like we might have a couple moms having babies at the exact same time. So the rooms are first come, first served. And there was one room that had like white walls <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah, furniture was like neutral. And we knew we were going to be having photos taken of <laughs> This is a millennial thing. Yeah, well, I think it's a photographer. Like yeah. you can't turn it off. Like you can't turn off like thinking about the light. And it's just that we had a thing. choice between like the room that had brown walls or the room that had like the nice white walls. We choose the, we white, choose walls. the white walls. And we got the white walls. So <laughs> and yeah, anyone that knows how we feel about white walls and photography will get that. But yes. we were like, yes, we got the white wall room. Um, and so yeah, they checked us in. Everything looked really good. Her heartbeat was good. Um, and His. 
heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Sorry. His, my heartbeat was good. <laughs> Your heartbeat was good. I was like, wait, yeah. we had a boy the first time, yes, right? Yes, yes. Beckett. His heartbeat was good. I really got it on the brain because we're about to do this again with our second baby who is a girl. Um, anyway. So the being in the birth center, I got to like stay in my own clothes. They don't hook anything up to me. So I didn't have like any IVs or cords or bracelets of any kind, like just none of that. So um, that allowed me to move really freely all around the birth center and continue to get coached by the midwives and the doulas to help Beckett make his way down. Um, so um, one of the things they had in the room was a big soaking tub. So I spent quite a bit of time in the bath. And then after that, it was kind of almost like 30 minute circuits where they would put me through. It was like circuit training, <laughs> circuit training for a mom in labor. Yes. Where they would have me endure contractions in different ways. So I remember there was like a 30 minute time when we were um, just walking back and forth on the halls together. And then we would stop every time we had a contraction and Jordan would kind of hold me up through them because they were so painful. It was hard to support my own body. Yeah, I mean, by the end of labor, I was exhausted. <laughs> oh, man. That's, and my arms were so sore. I was, I was holding you for 20 hours. This is the thing that... that that's going to be my favorite quote from this episode <laughs> is by the end of labor, Jordan was exhausted. This is, this is the thing, right? Is that like you hold the ultimate trump card, you know, because it's like I worked hard too and I was tired, but I didn't, I didn't have that. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> to be fair, you really were there with but me every step I think step the, of the, the way. purpose of them giving us these exercises to do, so at one point we were like Amy was like doing lunges and at another point she was like sidestepping up a staircase and I was supporting her while she did that and uh, at one point she was on a bouncy ball and we were doing exercises and there's kind of two th- two reasons mainly behind that one is that those movements are supposed to help get the baby in position so if you ever watched the price is right this is the best example I can think of when you watch price is right and they pay they play plinko where they go they go on the ladder and they drop like the chip and it kind of like moves its way down well like remember if like if you get the plinko chip in the center you win like a million dollars right <laughs> and on the outside you don't really win as much that's kind of the same thing with a baby a baby is kind of like a plinko chip and you're trying to work that baby down to the the middle port the middle part so we're doing these exercises a to get becca to move down b it also kind of helps take your mind off of what's going on a little. Not that it takes your mind off of no. it, but it keeps you busy and gives you something to do. Yeah, nothing can keep your mind off of that kind of pain. Um, so that was kind of how the birth center experience went for a good chunk of time. I think the kind of the pinnacle of it was doing the lunges up the stairs. And by the time I got to the top of the stairs, I was vomiting into like a doggy bag that Jordan was holding and was just in so much pain that I was really like all the vomit was really really good preparation for having a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now it's just like a regular part of life. Yeah, totally normal. Oh, you spit up. No problem. Normal. (laughs) So our midwife uh, decided that it was time for us to relax a little bit. So brought us back to the room, uh, turn up all the lights, cleared everyone, let us like have a moment to relax. And then after that um, was when things really started to pick up. So let me back up just for one second though, because I think like in that period of time before we were ready, you were ready to push. That was when it was really intense and it was really painful. So the stuff that we were describing when Amy was like walking around and lunging, you were probably around seven or eight centimeters, like getting close to Mm -hmm. that transition point. And there were really, I, I feel like, two or three things that were really key during that. Number one is Amy had made a playlist of music that she wanted to have playing like during the labor. And um, that playlist, I just played it on my phone and, and kept it in my pocket. So anywhere that we walked in the birth center, um, like our worship uh, playlist was playing. And that was really comforting to us as a couple, because as for those of you who listen, um, you know that Amy and I are Christ followers and that our relationship with the Lord is really important to us. And we felt like in that time that the only thing that was that was sustaining us um, was just God's presence with mm-hmm. us and and him wrapping his arms around us and being that that third person there who was guiding us through that process and our trust in him that that we were going to get through it and we were going to have a baby at the end uh, of the whole thing was so just um, life-giving to us. And so the other thing, in addition to playing that worship music, is we were actually, um, some of our, our our really, really close friends were texting us during the throughout the labor and they were just texting us these beautiful prayers that I was just reading over and over again to Amy. And so when we would get in really, really hard parts of the labor where it was really painful, I can remember one 
specific moment where I'm not necessarily a big crier. I'm a huge crier now that I have kids, but I wasn't before. And I can remember this, this one specific moment of Amy was sitting on a bouncy ball and was leaning on the bed. And it was probably the kind of the pinnacle of the most painful contractions. And we were exhausted and sleep deprived and all of that. And I was behind her holding onto her hips and push squeeze doing hip squeezes. They call them. I was squeezing her hips. And just based on what I was hearing, it was so hard for me to see my best friend in so much pain and knowing that there was absolutely nothing I could do to make it better and knowing it was going to get worse and it was going to get harder that I just started to sob as she was going through that. And so I think when I think about the things that sustained us through that, the worship music, reading those prayers to Amy during a lot of times I would just hold, I wrap Amy up and hold on to her and we would just pray together. And so I know that not everybody who's listening to this podcast believes the same thing we believe or maybe comes from a faith background or um, is religious in any way. But I do think it's really important when you're going through such an intense experience, kind of a crucible-like experience like this, it's really, really important uh, to cling to the things that are the most important to you and that you value the most, because those are the things that ultimately kind of help push you through, no pun intended, to the end. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was like making me teary because I was just like... I'm reliving every moment of it. Um, and those things really were the things that got me through um, because, you know, there there was no medication to fall back on at the birth center. So there, it wasn't really an option. Yeah, the is, way the birth center works. Which is one of the reasons I chose it. So, there, you know, epidurals weren't available. There was just nothing else to fall back on. And so it really was so much about like leaning on the strength of God and leaning on the support of Jordan. And so it really was um, like looking looking back, just such a powerful thing to be able to have that music playing and keep us focused and have uh, Jordan reading those prayers out loud to me. And no jokes. I didn't read any jokes. jokes. And yeah, I really probably stopped talking at like 10 a.m. that morning and didn't really say anything. Um, Could you imagine if I was the woman? And I, I'm, I'm a baby, right? So first of all, the pain, I would be miserable. I would be a disaster. Like I would be the most dramatic person ever in labor. But imagine if I just had to stop talking at 10. <laughs> well, it wasn't like someone told me, Amy, stop talking. It was like when you're in that much pain, you just stop talking. I think maybe even you, even Jordan Bemos, if he was experiencing the pain of childbirth, might stop talking. I would definitely throw a few jokes. It's a maybe. It's a maybe. (laughs) But anyway, so our midwife decided around, I think it was five or five 30. She was like, okay, Amy and Jordan need to rest. They've been awake for like 34, 35 hours. So we actually laid down in the master bed in our room. Everybody left and we both fell asleep for like 45 minutes or an hour. Which looking back was totally a miracle. A miracle. And I think it just shows like how exhausted our bodies were because I actually slept through some really painful contractions. And just like the, the value of having a really experienced team, our midwife, I think had delivered over 3000 babies Mm -hmm. by the time that she worked with us. And so she just had this sense of like, I think they need to sleep in order for them to have enough energy for the, for the final push, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we um, when we woke up, it was a really painful contraction that woke me up, and so therefore I woke woke Jordan up with my like cries. <laughs> Basically, I don't know how else to describe it. Kind of like tribal like moans, almost like just kind of like Mel Gibson at the end of Braveheart. Yeah, just like awful <laughs> anguish, sounds of anguish. Um, and so that of course woke Jordan up, and so the team gave me a couple things to like keep me going like um, some honey because I just wasn't able to eat at this point. Um, So like honey sticks, apple juice. um, And then they sent me into the shower, which looking back was probably one of my least favorite parts of the process uh, because I was freezing cold. I was on a bouncy ball. I was in a lot of pain and the shower water was running over me. Jordan was in the shower with me. um, Dressed. Yes, he was dressed. <laughs> and um, it was in the shower that we heard someone say, call the photographer, which was like totally what we needed to hear at that moment yeah. to let us know like, oh my gosh, like we're And the cold shower the made no line. sense. And then in hindsight, it makes sense that she was trying to wake us up. Yes. And so uh, we as quickly as possible got out of the freezing cold shower into the tub and uh, found out like, yes, I was at a 10, which is like the magic number 
number that we need to be at to push. I was so relieved, so thankful. It was kind of like the second big, the first big milestone was like them telling us you're not leaving without a baby. Mm. And then the second big milestone was this moment of like, call the photographer. It's going to be time. It's almost time to push. And mm. we just knew like, oh my gosh, okay. I remember you were in the tub. It's it's so funny the things that you remember from labor because Amy was laying in the tub and I think you were either getting ready to push or you were pushing mm. and you had like your head kind of on the edge of the tub and I was like holding your head and I had like my eyes closed and then I like looked up and I saw I saw both I saw our midwife and one of the birth assistants they had like flashlights Mm. because it was dark in the room it was nighttime and they had like flashlights under the water trying to see like if there was like I guess any activity going on (laughs) down there (laughs) yeah I think now we know like when the flashlights come out things are serious yeah things are serious (laughs) so I uh I had one, I thought I liked the idea of wanting to deliver in a tub because I had read, you know, some great benefits of it. So I was trying to keep a super open mind about everything when it comes to birth because they did do a good job of preparing us that like you never know exactly what's going to happen. So I had mentioned beforehand like, hey, like if possible, I would love to be able to deliver Beckett in a tub. So that was the first thing we tried. After a couple pushes, our midwives quickly, our midwife quickly decided like that was not going to be the way to get this baby out. The most efficient. I think she said that's not, yeah. this is not efficient. <laughs> so then um, we tried a couple different things. So they moved me from the tub to the bed kind of on all fours like facing backwards and I'm sitting there and like Amy is on all four Amy's on all fours and I was like have my head at the pillow side of the bed and I was kind of like laying next to her <laughs> and I could see the midwife standing at the end of the bed and Amy is on all fours and I was just thinking Lord please if there is another way <laughs> because these are not going to be the pictures that she dreamed of <laughs> which is a curse in some ways because of the third option it was basically like the tub didn't work the bed wasn't working and so then they moved me to what they call a birth stool which is basically just like a small wooden stool. It might have been plastic. It's like in a, it's like in the shape of a half circle. Yeah, kind of like um, the back half of a toilet seat in yeah. a way. Um, so it's just a stool, but it has like but it has handles on the side can, that you can grip that you can grip, which is so good because I was gripping those handles a lot. And the idea of the birth stool is it helps. Uh, you basically, gravity yeah, is gravity. The yes, gravity is the idea. It helps get the baby down. And so, um, as I started pushing on the birthing stool, it was the most extreme pain. That's the only way I can describe it. The most extreme pain I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, Again, Mel Gibson. Last two minutes Jordan, of Braveheart. Jordan keeps uh, comparing me to Mel Gibson, which I don't know how to feel about it. But if you like picture Braveheart and then me. <laughs> There it is. No, you, were, you were William Wallace in that moment. <laughs> Thank you. So after about 30 minutes of really intense pushing, and I've shared part of this in, in a couple of our episodes, I think the one about expectations. Um, after about 30 minutes of pushing, they said, okay, Amy, you're doing so great. We can see the head. And I was like, this is it. Like I've seen so many movies. I've watched so many TV shows. When they can see the head, it's one or two more really good pushes. And then this baby is coming out. So false. (laughs) So Beckett, they saw the head. He had crowned. So, you know, anyone down there in that position could see the head. And I was thinking like, this is it. One or two more. And so we had like one or two more really good pushes. And he just... At that that point, it was like they put a mirror on the ground. Well, he wasn't budging is what happened. He didn't he wasn't really budging at all. And so he was just crowning and staying crowned and then continued to crown and continued to we crown. We found out later that he has a 95th percentile head. And he was uh, cocked to the side. And um, I had an unusually strong pelvic floor from years of competitive dance in my developmental years, which we didn't know any of this in advance, which is probably a good thing. But it makes um, total sense because his head was the reason that it was hard for him to come out is because he had a huge head and his head was cocked to the mm-hmm. side. So his head like needed to turn so that it was like normal before mm-hmm. he could come out. And a really funny thing about that is I feel like for the first like, I don't know, weeks or a few months of his life, he always had one eye kind of closed. <laughs> and so Amy used to call him our little pirate guy. And I'm pretty sure that was the side that he was like, maybe like, yeah, hitting. He, he really when he I guess we're skipping ahead a little but when he came out, he kind of looked like a bruised fighter, like one side of his yeah. face was kind of bruised from the birth he process. He was like Rocky. <laughs> And his mom was William Wallace. And I was Mickey. I get to be Mickey. You got this, Rock. Oh, I've never really seen the Rocky movies all the way through. So I was Okay, like, if you're listening and you don't know about Rocky, you need to go listen to Mickey coach Rocky. I was like, Mickey, you're no? a fighter, Rock. You're a fighter. 
anyways, so 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 at that point they put a mirror down. Mm. And they the idea behind all of this was because he was Beckett was crowning for so long. Um, I was at the point I the most discouraged I ever felt was during this point. And it was I realized later looking back, it was because I had an unspoken expectation that I didn't even know was there. But when I heard that he had crowned and the head was there, I assumed that it was going to be over. And then it just continued and continued and continued. And that was when I felt like I'm not going to be able to do this. And I remember um, I hadn't spoken a single word in hours. And I looked at my midwife and said, I can't do this. And then I said, I'm going to pass out. And it was in a moment that I really needed her. And if you don't know about, let me just say something about you for a second. I'm going to brag on you for a second. If you don't know, Amy, Amy is a very sweet, happy, loving, joyful, bubbly person. But don't let that little petite body like she is a street fighter. Okay, (laughs) she is. She is really on her inside. She is hardcore. And so this was the moment where I really was She kind of finally broke, which I was like shocked. I would have broken like when the water broke like that would have been it for me. I would have been an emotional wreck. Like, I can't do this. And it's like one hour into labor. But she had been through the ringer at this point and it took her so long to finally crack and say, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to pass out. And I remember this was the moment where like, like the quality of your midwife really matters mm-hmm. because our midwife is this, was this amazing. Uh, I think she's Welsh, mm-hmm. Welsh woman and tons of experience and amazing British accent. Mm-hmm. And she got right in Amy's face. I don't think she grabbed your cheek. No, she might've, but no, she got she right didn't. in your face and lovingly, but certainly she said, Amy, you are not, look at me, look at me. You are not going to pass out. It is physically impossible for you to pass out. I have never had a mother pass out during pushing. Your body will not let it happen. It's impossible. And that was, first of all, I'm sure all of you real British people out there that are listening are probably laughing at Jordan's accent. I think emails. it was spot on. Yeah, it, it was spot on. <laughs> but but if you have, a, if you're actually from Britain, don't email me about it. I get the messages, bro, your British accent was terrible. I'm like, do an American accent. <laughs> um, but as an American, I <laughs> fully appreciate your British accent. Um, but that was really what I needed to be like, okay, like, I guess if it's physically impossible for me to pass out, then I can keep going. And so they started implementing other techniques to get me like motivated enough to keep going. So um, because I was sitting on a stool, they put a mirror on the ground below me and then told me to look down and they said, do you want to see your baby's head? And I was like, no, I thought that was like really gross. I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they were like, please look. And so... I looked down and I remember saying, oh my gosh, I like couldn't believe that there was an actual human being, which is funny. Like after 23 hours of labor, you think like my brain would have registered like there's a human being, but it was getting to see the head really was a boost of energy. And then um, after a couple more pushes, he still wasn't out. He was, was still crowned. And so then they were like, okay, like go ahead and touch your baby's head. Or no, I think they asked me, said, do, do you, you want to touch his head? And I said, no. <laughs> and then and they said, were, dad, do you want to touch? So the, the, the whole time that Amy is sitting on the stool I am have like my butt on the edge of the bed and I'm sitting behind her and I'm like wrapping her up in a bear hug this entire time hence why I said I was tired yes and, and he kind of held me up held her up and supported her during every push so that she didn't like fall off the stool and they said dad do you want to touch the head and I was like absolutely <laughs> and so I was like I reached down and I literally could feel the top of my son's head mm, and it crazy. was one of the most amazing moments and I eventually touched his head too mostly because they told me I had to um um, and it was in the moment when Jordan put his hand on Beckett's head and they said like, okay, Amy, like you need to push your son's head into Jordan's hands. That's your goal. Push his head into Jordan's hands. And that's what ended up happening. And that's when he finally came out. And that's what we did. We, I pushed him right into Jordan's hands and um, guided by the midwives, Jordan was able to grab like underneath his armpits, kind of like wrap his arms around me, grab on to Beckett um, and pull him up onto my chest. And 
I wish I could like fully describe those few moments. But all I can say is I went from being in the most extreme anguish and pain I had ever been in my entire life to the most euphoric. It was the most like, oh, shoot, I'm crying. The most it really was one of the most like beautiful moments I've ever had. And I remember saying my baby, my baby. I couldn't believe my baby was right there on my chest. Maybe Jordan can talk for me so I can compose myself. <laughs> no, I mean, I rem- it was the same for me. I remember reaching down and pulling him up onto your chest and you kind of were, we were both sitting there just for a second and you just held him and squeezed onto him. And I just remember you saying, my baby, my baby, like my baby, I love you so much. I, you know, I love you, my baby, you're here. I love you. You're safe. Mama's got you. And it was just, I think when Amy said the word euphoria, um, I think one of the things, and if you go back and listen to another episode where we talked about our decision to become parents, uh, that's a really good episode to listen to because I think in that moment, it's just funny how your entire world crystallizes in a moment. It was like we went from the most extreme pain to the most beautiful joy and the mo- and, and relief of the pain. And that was the craziest part is that I was watching Amy. It was felt like she was being literally tortured <laughs> and in the most painful moment of her entire life. And then in an instant, that pain was fully taken away and not just taken away, but replaced by like an inexplainable happiness and joy and gratitude. And I think for us, you know, in the, in the days and weeks after Beckett was born, when we would talk about that moment with people, we would tell them, we'll never use the word euphoria the same ever again, because it was truly this euphoric moment. And it was like everything in the world made sense in a single moment. It was like everything fell into place. We knew exactly who we, not that we didn't before, but more so than ever, we knew exactly who we we were and what our purpose was. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. So they, um, at that point, we're still sitting on the birth stool, the torture stool, as I like to call it. Um, and so they helped us move on to the bed. And then I just got to have like the, these really precious, sweet hours, the first two hours of Beckett's life. Uh, he was just laying on my chest, skin to skin. And uh, they... They don't do a lot of testing or anything like that at the birth center. Like as long as uh, the visually everything checks out right at the beginning, they check his heart rate. He was good. And so at that point, they let us just keep Beckett on my chest for two hours. And um, I remember probably after like 15 or 20 minutes, I was like, oh, yeah, Jordan, do you want to hold him? Because <laughs> I was just like so uh, like wrapped up and having him on my chest. And my midwife actually stopped me and said, hey, no. No, actually, like we're going to keep Beckett on you for a full two hours. You're the perfect incubator for your baby, meaning your breathing is regulating his breathing. Your heart rate is regulating his heart rate. This is a really important time. Your body time. temperature is going to regulate his body, body temperature. temperature. Um, and so the cord uh, was still attached during this time and we were waiting for it to be done pulsing. So there was just like this really special two hours where it was just Bex and me. And because it was like that nice like queen bed during <laughs> Jordan was right there with us. And so it was just the three of us like soaking in those moments. And like Jordan said, to go from like the craziest, most intense, extreme pain that you feel like it's never going to end. It was amazing how quickly it all vanished. I didn't feel a single pain at all. And it was the opposite. It was just like euphoric joy. And I think what's crazy about it is that I think like for us, you know, it's like the whole time that you're in, that we're in labor, you're kind of asking yourself like, God, why this way? (laughs) Like, why? Like, why does this, I mean, like (laughs) Genesis, we know why, but I mean, like, why does this process have to be so long and so hard and so painful? Like Amy doesn't deserve this. Beckett doesn't deserve the black eye. Like like, what is like, why is this so hard? And then when he was born in those moments afterward, you realize why it was so hard because I think this is true of anything in life, but, but childbirth specifically is that a lot of times you can't appreciate the best things in life until you've experienced the worst things. You can't, you can't appreciate good things until you've experienced bad things. And I think anybody in any situation can think of a million different scenarios where you appreciated something so much more and it was so much more special and valuable to you because you had had a different experience that was not as good. And that was definitely the case for us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, throughout those last uh, couple hours at the birth center, it was mostly just like we went from like the worst to the best and was just like reveling in every minute. Um, after about those two hours, that's when they did a few tests. They gave Beckett to Jordan for a while. I got to take a shower and that shower was the opposite of the other one. It was like glory and warm and relief. I just remember feeling so much relief like it's over. And then we got to have a big meal. They brought and- in a tray, a big tray. Yeah. And it had like meats and cheese. <laughs> and like all this and, stuff and we ate oh we were oh, did so we hungry and um once they did a few final tests then it was time for us to go that was the other really interesting thing about the birth center is um they keep about a five or six hour limit after you have the baby so that you can start being home with your family so it was uh beckett was born around 9 30 and then we were sent home around two in the morning uh to go home and so that was a really wild crazy experience like learning how to put beckett in the car and then Jordan driving us home. It was just surreal because it was two o'clock in the morning. We were in the middle of like a commercial office building, right? Like Mm -hmm. in the city. And we go outside, put him in the car seat and then we're just driving home on an empty freeway. And again, it's this huge moment for us. Like we're bringing our son home (laughs) and we're just driving on the freeway. And nobody's around. And I still remember like walking through the door with the car. Jordan was holding the car seat and I was walking behind and our cats were like kind of smelling the car seat and trying to figure out what was going on. And it just felt like, I can't believe they let us take this baby home. Like this is, we're just in charge of this baby now. It was just like a very surreal, like, like oh my what gosh, do we do? what do we do? Um, Thankfully, we had taken a course <laughs> called Taking Care of Babies, Plug, which is an amazing online sleep class for parents. And so thankfully, through all that exhaustion at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. We were remembering like swaddling techniques and like swaddled him up and got him um, sleeping in his little docketot and on uh, we put it in our bed and we were in between or he was in between us and we just passed out. Um, but when reflecting back on all of this now, especially as we're preparing to welcome our daughter into the world, we thought the the coolest way to wrap up this episode would just be for me to share something that I wrote on Beckett's uh, first birthday. So when he turned one year old, because I feel like it just kind of sums up the whole birth experience. Um, This was something that I had written and I posted it on Instagram, but I'd love to share it with you right now too. The moment we met our son, laboring unmedicated was the hardest thing I've ever done. I knew it was going to be painful, but nothing could have prepared me for just how excruciating it was going to be. In my final days of pregnancy, a sweet friend of mine reminded me that when Jesus described what the pain of separation from God was like, he could have chosen anything in the world to compare it to. And he chose childbirth. That I was going to get a realistic picture of the pain humans endure when they're separated from the creator, but also get to experience the joy that comes from being reunited with him. I've never felt such immense, unbearable agony in all my life, but the very moment he was in my hands, I've never felt such joy. The only way I can describe it is sheer euphoria. My labor playlist had long run out as we were in hour 22, but our birth team told us that right as Beckett was born, the verse from Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was playing in the background, completely unplanned. As we pulled him onto my chest, all the anguish vanished. It was immediate. The joy was so overwhelming. My heart felt like it was going to burst, and I felt like I got to experience the unconditional love God has for us in an entirely new way. That realization has been a powerful one. I've been reminded of again and again this first year as a mom. Every night as I put Becca to bed, I sing Amazing Grace to him, the song that he was born to. I realize tonight will be the last time I get to do that in his first year of life. Tomorrow we'll have a one-year-old. It went by in a flash, but I can honestly say it's been the greatest year of my life. This week especially has been one of tears and reflection and gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for this precious gift, for your amazing grace, and for your unconditional love that knows no bounds. Thank you for listening to Life with Amy and Jordan. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave us a review. And if it wasn't, please don't. (laughs) Seriously, a review from you will help us reach more awesome people like you. To get the newest episode as soon as it's available, hit the subscribe button.